0: Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. And I'm Dan Gibbons, and this is a fan... pot teen drama... fan cast? Yeah, we're still confused about it as well. Uh, welcome back for another round at, uh, at Riverdale, Dan. And boy, did we give you a...
1: an episode. <laughs> this was an episode of television, to be sure. Which just I, I, raised so many questions about the fifties and yeah. patriarchy. And is Kevin still mad at me for making him watch Jolson sings again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we will never know. The, uh, I feel like a good trying to like for you, Dan, Trying to like get you set in this. What you, something you need to understand that kind of is touched on in this episode is that Riverdale exists in a quantum state where we do not know the size of the town. In, in in the same episode, it'll shift from being like small town, uh, you know, out out in the out in the boonies, t- tiny town of America, uh, and in other ones it'll be like a really really big, like oh it's bustling. There's always something going on, and like hey that's the that's the crime that's all around in these big towns, and we kind of get that a bit in this episode.
1: Yeah, it's a small town that also is big enough to have the wrong side of the tracks in slums and private prisons. and cr-
0: crime alley. Yeah, yeah. So we get a bit of we get, we get a bit of quantum Riverdale in this one, which is weird because like historically in historically as in the last five episodes, uh, Riverdale has been small. We've had small Riverdale. We get a big of bit big Riverdale here. Not a whole lot. It's not as it's not as aggressive as I've seen in other episodes, but
1: a bit of it. I mean, you're gonna do 50s Riverdale small town feels like the vibe you're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does.
0: You think that would be the vibe, but as with everything on Riverdale, the vibe is confusing and uneven. And I think because we got so much to talk about, I think we just got to skip right into it and get started because this is Riverdale season seven, episode six, Peep Show.
1: Peep
2: Show. <laughs>
0: We begin with a Jughead voiceover, which we're getting more of in the 50s. Uh, And it turns out it's not the seduction of the innocent in this world. It is the slaughter of the innocent. Ooh,
1: Just just filing off them serial numbers on (laughs) well-known, well-documented right-wing scare campaigns.
0: Yep. So if you're going to wonder if... Oh, man. They were then the satanic panic. They should have called it the demonic... Scariness. Nailed it. Uh, (laughs) If you're wondering if we were going to begin this episode as we ended last episode and really dealing with the fact that, like, there is the seduction of the innocent stuff, like, that kind of uh, right-wing panic going on. I did. I did wonder that. Not really. Jughead's going to be like, hey, you know what? Comics aren't welcoming in Riverdale anymore. And also, I have written one. But he doesn't seem aware of that in the episode. He's aware of that as the voiceover. And we've always been unclear on when this voiceover takes place, because sometimes we see him writing the voiceover.
1: Yeah, it's always from some novel that he is working on while it's all happening, and sometimes yeah, it's the perspective from much later, and sometimes it's the perspective. It's it's the JD summing up everything we learned this week on Scrubs. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, uh, but. He he doesn't have time to think about comic books. Well, he does have time to think about comic books. But he's been reading these Pep comic comic books. And he realized that they're very similar to his favorite author. Say the name. Say the
1: name. His favorite author, Brad Rayberry. My first two notes are simply <laughs> Brad Rayberry. Okay. Brad Rayberry. This is so- some... A uh, f- fun new comic book <laughs> social media my face or space book nonsense right here we s- this is the time deadpool got cursed by loki to look like handsome movie star <laughs> thom cruz like who's this go. for
0: so um this so they do this they do this this is this is probably the most egregious i've seen in five seasons and it, it took so I've been watching this for 7 seasons and I have just realized why it bugs me so much. Now, uh, you're just getting in you're you're just first being introduced uh, really to the extent of these slant references. But it's a big thing and it is a thing from the Archie comics. Uh, throughout the seasons we've had Glamourge eggs, we've had the Baxter brothers, we've had American Excess, we've had Glamazon, We've had my favorite one, 23-hour fitness.
1: <laughs> Which is the and, hour they don't, too.
0: And my least favorite one, the five seasons, because there's not a fifth season. So what are you referencing there? Yeah. Uh, but the reason it bugs me so much, I I think, I finally figured this out, is that they they have all these, like, Oh, like, you know, we're, we're saying things, but we're not actually saying what they were. And it works pretty well when it's just, like, a product. Like, instead of having a Tic Tacs, you have, like, Snick Snacks, things like that. Uh, but this is the same show where you have at least two characters, and other ones do it at the same time, but mostly it's Veronica and Cheryl, who spend so much time just straight-up mentioning Holden Caulfield, which means Catcher in the Rye, which means J.D. Salinger, Truman Capote, and actually mentioning Breakfast at Tiffany's and In Cold Blood. We've had The Seven-Year Itch. We've had James Dean. We've had Martin Luther King Jr. We've had Emmett Till. We've mentioned The Creature from the Black Lagoon. We've mentioned Diabol- Diabolique. We've mentioned The Thin Man. In this episode, we get references to Doris Day and Betty Page.
1: But so, heaven forfend, you actually say Ray Bradbury.
0: Well, well, I mean, the reason they do that is because, I guess spoiler alert, he appears in this episode and they don't want to have yes. someone actually playing uh, Ray Bradbury. Because then you'd have to uh, deal with the fact that if Ray Bradbury was around in 2023, he'd be one of those people going like, oh, the... PC, uh, the liberal elites are ruining media, and I don't want to think about that and oh, him doing no, that.
1: No, no, uh, never bring authors who <laughs> died before they could tweet into modern discourse. Oh, he
0: me. was so close. Twenty twelve, he 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 was so he could have he could have hit it, and I'm just glad that we don't have to deal with that.
1: So, but, what you're saying but is he, we have created this weird hodgepodge where real, care, real people and references exist, but there's also this. Really lazy, low effort. Um, yeah, alternate version. And, so we've and hit lazy the third the... <laughs> season of BoJack Horseman, where all of a damn sudden it's George Clooneyers and Leonardo th- Terperkard.
0: When they legitimately had J.D. Salinger <laughs> in the first season. Yeah, it's it's it la- lazy and uneven is the biggest way to explain uh, this show and the mo- like they this did not have to be even ray bradbury they could have just made up an author they could and have made i would up still get any name and i would have still got the context i didn't have to get that november ca- county is a reference to the october county i didn't have to get any of these references but because they exist there i have to imagine is this ray bradbury and he's not because number 1 his Ray Bradbury was contemporary to 1955. Um November County came out in 19 or sorry October County ugh, came out in 1955 I think. But this guy seems to have written stories like 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. And Like
0: Fahrenheit uh, like Fahrenheit 951 came out in the early 50s. So So this... he's not Ray Bradbury, but he's a reference to him and She's... all of his stuff
1: sounds like him. <laughs> Which is such a confusing thing to settle into. Also, the storyline didn't go where I expected on a few fronts because we were queuing up Seduction of the Innocent as Jughead's big plot arc. And that just sort of gets a pin put in it for a week. Which, okay, um, that was going to be a bit of a bummer because that like, legit happened and changed the face of the comic book industry forever. And I don't see how Jughead's going to stop that. I'm I'm so what you what you should also know is that a common
0: theme throughout this entire season apparently is solving the societal problems of 1950s America as teenagers. Like in in the first episode that is what our Angel Tabitha set up. She's like you need to stay here in the 1950s and make sure that the Riverdale of 2023 is like good. And I'm like, so so. You just want a bunch of teenagers who have no idea what they're doing. They don't even know that the that like they're they have moved back in time. You want them to solve the societal issues of nineteen of small town nineteen fifties America.
1: I feel like removing their memories <laughs> of the future was counterproductive to that oh. goal. And
0: she specifically removed. Jughead still remembered. She specifically removed it. So I'm like, you have to make Riverdale be better anyway. You're not going to remember any of this.
1: Do I believe that through sheer force of will, Cheryl Blossom could burn down 50s patriarchy from the inside? Sure I do. Maybe Probably, she, yeah. Maybe if she had a goal in mind, it would help with that. I'm just not sure I see Jughead saving horror comics and preventing us from living through Morbius, the Living Vampire. <laughs> now,
0: what I like about this is that so he takes this, he takes this like thing that he got, this idea that's like, oh, they are stealing stories from Brad Rayberry. I'm gonna say that wrong at some point. So he like goes to, uh, he goes to Mr. Fieldstone at Pep Comics, and this I almost thought was a reference to the very thing that Riverdale does, but it's not. Uh, when when the uh, uh, Mister Fieldstone's like no 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 no, his story is November County, ours is November Country, and you do not know how much I wanted him to say ours is October County,
1: <laughs> like yeah, that would be amazing. That would have been a funny twist on it. So yeah, which that was, but that's essentially what I didn't expect is that I was queued up for Jughead to be fighting to protect the uh, the reputation of the comic book industry, Instead, he just swings hard into. Wow, comic book industry has never been great at respecting copyright. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's they're they're totally
0: different. See, theirs goes do 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 do. Mine goes do 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 do. Totally different.
1: Very different. Very different.
0: This this episode, I'm gonna say this right off the top for all of our listeners out there. This episode is they have written what they want the next episode to be, and everything this episode, nothing makes sense, it's just getting people into the places they need to be for what they want to happen later. Like, that, that's all this is.
1: That 100% tracks to me, because one of my later notes is, oh, good, one of these plots finally found second gear. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so, uh, Fieldstone is like, once uh once Jughead brings up the P word, uh, Fieldstone's like, no, 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 we don't do that. I, I actually tried to get hold of... uh. Of him, but like he didn't respond So I figured that he was just dead This is when I was first cued on Like, oh no, this is not This is not Ray Bradbury Because this book was published Way before Ray Bradbury was like Doing his stuff, so Okay, different person
1: Nope, he's very much alive and happens To live within an easy Commute of Jughead <laughs>
0: Oh, everyone does We will get to that uh, we're gonna you're gonna meet a character for the first time, and we're gonna all meet a character for the second time this season. But I'll, 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 he's been he's been around for a while. So Dan, this is Uncle Frank. I hate this him. Is, he is he was the best character for a while. He was really cool. He was really nice to Archie. He was well after Luke Perry died. He they kind of brought in another character to kind of be like a father figure to Archie. And then, like, last season, he was mind-controlled into being the slave of an evil wizard from another dimension. Uh, and in this one, sure. he is 1950s bad dad.
1: Yeah, he is <laughs> such bad dad. So many of my notes are just yelling at Uncle Frank.
0: Yeah, so he, he rolls in, and he's like, Archie? Oh, so he came, He by the way, he arrived at the end of the episode before you popped up, Dan. So right. the, we this is our first time also getting him. So he's here, and he's here to tell Archie to take a break. So what you need to know, Dad, about what Archie has done this season was his mom was very upset after James Dean died and forbade Archie from driving his own car.
1: I believe I heard that, yes.
0: Yeah, so Archie took his car and drove to school to try to impress Veronica. And then later, Cheryl lied about having sex with Archie, and... Those are the things that Archie has done. Apparently his grades are mediocre, he's not pulling his weight around the house, but we have we had 6 episodes this season and I wasn't getting any of that from Archie.
1: There's one thing that really brings this show full circle back to season 1 for me. It's a Betty thirsting for Archie through their bedroom windows and B yeah. Archie's plot being a lot duller than anything else that is happening in the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's At least I feel like there's a lot of evenness in the plots to an extent in this episode. We do know in the background there's like a murder, but like we don't see that this episode. There's just a lot of people dealing with teen things.
1: Yeah, so the whole, I, whoever killed Ethel's parents, so let's, obfusc- <laughs> let's obfuscate that with comic book drama. That seems to be gone this week too.
0: No, no, Emily. I'm happy that the teens aren't investigating a murder because the reason they got involved in the murder to begin with is, was they were just trying to make sure that Ethel, or specifically Jughead and Veronica, to an extent, we're just trying to make sure that Ethel wasn't, uh, like brought down for something that she didn't do. They're not trying to solve a murder because they are sixteen. Uh, yep, so very, I'm Very
1: sixteen, it. all of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Archie will apologize to his mom, which I hated, because it's his because his mom freaked out at him him just for having a car, and then when after an unrelated celebrity died, and then tried to get him married off to a girl that she claims he they like slept together with, but she never talked to him about it. She was never like, "Hey Archie, why don't you tell me what's going on?" Uh, instead, she was just like, I heard that you had sex with that Blossom girl. Well, well you're going to get married. So, I don't know. Maybe I don't feel like she deserves an apology.
1: Maybe she doesn't. And it felt very forced.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, it felt like one of those prisoner of war, I hate what my country <laughs> is doing to these nice people who have held me prisoner. Well, blinking SOS in Morse code. <laughs> Oh, yes, I
0: should set up. Admittedly, admittedly, Frank is the most intimidating man in this episode. He just stands behind Archie as Archie does things and is, like, aware that Frank is behind him. So, like, this scene's not supposed to be, oh, thank God, Archie apologized to his mom. It's supposed to be, like, Frank's weird.
1: Frank's very weird. It's 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 an unsettling scene.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's almost like they forgot that he was mind controlled last season. And before he was mind controlled, he was a cool, good dude. Yeah, uh, he also was part of part of like a secret, uh, like spec ops team that tried to kill him and Archie. Yeah, sure. Because they were like brainwashed or something. I can't remember. Well, this goes up to a classic, a classic thing from season one and season two. Betty looking at Archie through their shared window. Their houses are so close
1: to each other. They can just stare at each other across a small strip of yard. Yep. Yep. To which Veronica says, hot diggity daffodil. When am I coming over?
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll get there once Veronica gets aware of the situation. But first, Betty has to approach Veronica because she she wants to know what sex is like. So you don't know this. This is egregious to me because she, her entire thing this season has been she found the sex book. She found the Kinsey sex book, except for it's written by Kingsley. Naturally, like, of course. Yeah, she found it. So she, like, she knows all this stuff. But now she's going up to Veronica being like, hey, Veronica... Why don't you tell me what sex is like?
1: But Twist, Veronica doesn't know either.
0: Yeah, I love this. I love this. So I I've, I've had this thing this entire season where I'm like Veronica needs to be a liar. Like she comes in being like I'm the coolest person in uh uh in Hollywood. Uh we find out find out early on that she actually was she was kicked, she was kicked out here because she was hanging out with James Dean. Uh, and not because she was researching a role, which is what she said. So I want her constantly to be proven that she ingrandizes herself and needs to, like, learn how to be comfortable. So I do like that we learn that she's like, actually, didn't really, haven't, do- haven't gone all the way yet. So, uh, but I can tell you why I feel sexy, though. Yeah. So she's going to, she's going gonna- to, she's all that Betty.
1: Gonna help her find her inner womanhood with secret mm-hmm. lingerie. Secret lingerie.
0: This, it just reminds me of the New Girl episode where that uh, politician Faye reveals that she doesn't wear underwear. And I'm like, okay, all
1: right. It reminded me of the newspaper comic Nine Chickweed Lane in which the mother reveals she is always wearing a leopard print bodysuit under her professorial <laughs> clothes to feel more powerful. This was, feel of course... Back before Nine Chickweed Lane devolved into ongoing evidence that the author is no longer capable of managing his own life and finances. If I were trying to get power of attorney, (laughs) I would just show them a month's worth of strips and say he's no longer mentally capable, Your Honor. Oh, he
0: Dilberted. I got it.
1: Except instead of becoming weird and racist, he just became weird and really horny and is incapable of remembering the plot. Which brings us back to Riverdale. (laughs) yeah so uh after
0: this, after Veronica's is gonna like wear lingerie with Betty, <laughs> which I'm like this episode this show's usually pretty good with in general. there are bad moments, but in general pretty good with its like representation um and I don't wanna like, like I don't want to make a claim as like two dudes um on whether or not this is like cool representation. It feels weird though
1: <laughs> it feels, feels a little weird. weird.
0: What, this is what I mean by like they wanted to get to an endpoint, so they had to figure out how to get there, and this is what they figured out. Yeah. But, but with the plot continuing on, Cheryl returns this Sapphic romance she was given. Uh, Tony gave her that Sapphic romance. She returns it to Tony, and you. What you need to know, Dad, is that Tony has been psychologically torturing Cheryl. I don't hate it. The show doesn't see it that way. But that's definitely what's happening. So Cheryl's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess the book was pretty cool with like the two girls. But uh, uh I got to go. You'll never be a cheerleader.
1: But uh, Tony's got some other thoughts on her being a cheerleader. Some <laughs> yeah. hips don't lie thoughts that are going to get Cheryl back onto her side.
0: Which, she she was uh, she did lead the cheerleading team for a while in the future, which was the past, and maybe it was on it when she. I oh, know she wasn't on it when she was in high school. Maybe she was at one point. Anyway, uh, they they were together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think I remember Tony and Cheryl hooking up towards yeah. the end of season two, and I I, this just gave us a chance for Cheryl being a. Borderline personality, boss bitch for good, which is some of my favorite Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: it's good. It's this we historically have not liked Cheryl, uh, especially to Tony. Feel like she was very manipulative, manipulative to Tony. Um, but they've switched positions, so now we're kind of team Cheryl. Uh, do you know who we're not team though? Team principal featherhead, because now Archie has to apologize to the
1: principal. Yeah, just- <laughs> why? <laughs> Go in and promise to get his grades up. Well, the principal again, Does
0: he care? Does the principal care? What? I mean, I, has the principal been asking? Yeah. Like, I, what's is Archie in trouble with his grades getting at? Like, what's going on here?
1: Was he on academic probation? <laughs> Were they threatening to hold him back? Shouldn't this be a conversation with his teachers about extra credit work he could be doing? Well, no. The reason the scene has to happen is because you have
0: to put Frank and the principal in the same room, so Frank can talk to the principal. Like this, they had this because the principal's like, uh, "This turtle man is like, hey, I want to talk to that uh, that handsome man with a mustache. Get over here. You seem like you're someone who knows how to how to coach basketball with that mustache." Yeah.
1: Fifties. I buy it. <laughs> uh, so.
0: As we've alluded to, it's obviously clear. Tony joins the Vixens, essentially. She, like, arrives to, I guess, their tryouts. Uh, And what I enjoy is that Tony has a theme song.
1: That is always fun. Yeah, yeah. Character arriving with their own theme music. (laughs) And then when she dances, she has the theme song plays.
0: (laughs) All right. um, Dan, I need to tell you something very important about one of the characters in this scene. You're introduced to someone called Evelyn.
1: Ah, uh, yes, Evelyn.
0: Yeah, you probably—if you dropped out in season two, you wouldn't have gotten her in your show. Um, Evelyn is called Evelyn Evernever. She is a full-grown woman. She is a full-grown woman who lured teens into a cult. She went to high school, pretended to be a teenager, to lure teens into her husband's cult. Why did Tabitha pull her back in time? She yeah, wasn't no. even. She, I feel like she, you could have left that one. She she was I don't even think she was in Riverdale anymore. She might have been in the prison, which might have been in Riverdale. It's impossible to tell. But she's not a teenager. She was pretending to be a teenager. She is a full-grown 30 year old
1: woman did Tabith- the show forget <laughs> Tabitha pulled so many people back into time and created them realistic believable backstories in this community it's like but, what? but like really drilling a lot of effort into this I feel like letting them remember the future was on the table Tabitha she, what what's gonna Jughead did and then she pulled it away because it was a mistake
0: she Th- missed that one she she returned She would turn to all of these people into their teen bodies. But Evelyn wasn't a teenager when they were teens. She just turned her into a teenager. Which, what you, but when she would. I mean, I guess it's within her power. My question is not, not how she did it, my question
1: is why she did it. I would like to see Tabitha's time correction credentials. This is coming. From a fan of Legends of Tomorrow, who famously had the catchphrase, sometimes we screw up history for the better.
0: Yeah, I mean, she only found out she was an uh, the guardian angel of Riverdale, like, a couple weeks before the whole asteroid thing. So, you know, she's figuring it out. She's learning on the job.
1: She's doing her best. Yep. Yep,
0: yep. Uh, All right. So, yeah, Tony dances so sexily that it makes Cheryl uh, have her join the team. And everyone's pretty thrilled except for Evelyn.
1: Evelyn is a ginnit.
0: Yeah. Uh, This heads us to dinner, and we learn what Frank was talking about with the principal, which is that they want him to coach the basketball team. Now, here's the problem, though. Archie doesn't want to play basketball.
1: Archie has trauma because he lost his dad because yeah, it's that, true what you told me <laughs> Archie's not allowed to have a storyline that isn't about how Luke Perry died.
0: Yeah. Um it it is interesting that we don't get the the revelation of that's what this is until a lot later. So I did have some time. Like we'll, we'll get a scene where Archie's like in the basketball court and he like picks up the basketball, and he's going to shoot but he can't shoot and I, I have no problem necessarily with uh, doing stuff and then revealing the reason why later because it puts things in context. I just don't trust this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's problem. It's
1: like you you say you're going to get back to it later and uh, we're not positive you have the street cred for that on this yeah. So Yeah, of they've course, dropped
0: too many things.
1: Because he doesn't want to play and we will find that out much later. Uh, Uncle Frank says, You can be the water boy. I'm like, But you just told him to focus on his studies. You just yeah. told him that.
0: <laughs> yeah, like he's still gonna have, and it being the water boy seems to have to make him do more stuff. Later, he's gonna be mopping the floor. I don't think that's the water boy's job. Doesn't that's- the school have a janitor?
1: I'm sure they do. I'm sure I've seen the crusty Archie janitor in the comics, and he must be around here somewhere <laughs> because he's a I mean, key we, we, part of Tabitha's plan to fix the fifties.
0: I mean, we saw the um, uh, the the key keeper obviously, but there's got to be a real version of him.
1: Yeah, the key keeper was based on a janitor jughead. No, surely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we glide past a scene here where Veronica and Betty just kind of like hang out in lingerie. I mean, like it's you know, Veronica's trying to hype Betty up. It doesn't. There's not a lot going on in the scene. Honestly, it's not
1: much. Um, I do miss those two's chemistry. Uh, they yeah. were always, but they're always fun. Like Betty and Veronica drama, and Cheryl being Cheryl really coasts me past the parts of any episode that could be described simply as Archie's nonsense.
0: Yeah, the problem was that as time went on, they isolated Veronica more and more, and she, like, wasn't hanging out with people. She got very into the mafia, so that was, a, that oh, was an yeah. issue.
1: That whole time, everyone was in the mafia.
0: Yeah. So, but what this does move into is Jughead actually goes to visit, I'm going to make sure I say this right, Brad Rayberry.
1: To let to him talk about know the, pla- the plagiarization. His comics <laughs> yeah. are being stolen by the... His novels are being stolen and turned into comic books
0: Yeah, and like So Brad's just like a lonely writer I guess who lives in Riverdale Yep, uh, sure Yeah, yeah, and he just like doesn't care He's just like, ah, oh, whatever I'm sure it was a mistake, leave me alone I thought we'd get some sort of like weird I mean, we're definitely going to get more of him I don't think the end of this episode is the end of us seeing Brad But It feels <laughs> like there's have...
1: still some gas in the Rayberry tank
0: Yeah, he's got some stuff going on uh, but this is now time for Evelyn to visit Cheryl with some concerns. See, she doesn't want a girl like Tony on the team or on the, the cheerleading squad.
1: She wouldn't be comfortable changing wouldn't in front of Tony.
0: Yeah. I, and Cheryl's like, why? Because she's black? And it was like, no, never. It's because she's a lesbian. I'm not racist. I'm homophobic. <laughs> But uh, Cheryl uh, like, has...
1: 1955 feels early for Cheryl to be saying this is a desegregated cheer squad with it that is, it much is the, confidence. Like they, it is yeah. sure, but it feels like in the 50s, being desegregated was not something that was considered a settled matter amongst your Hick Town elders.
0: Yeah. So the thing that this show does, and it does it in this scene, so I'll just go there because like Cheryl's goes like. No, of course she's not. She's not a lesbian. I, I don't. I would not tolerate a lesbian on this team. And this is honestly a quite big step because this is one of the first times that I can honestly remember they've let a character even appear bigoted. Now I think she's clearly lying. She's lying. She knows what Tony's into. She she's 100% trying to like. Knows. Yeah, she's trying to cover for her, but she still. But she didn't go like. Like, you know, she wasn't trying to like, you know, be like, oh, it's fine or whatever to like, like wave her off. Um, because they are completely unwilling to, even in the 1950s, have their characters be like, unintentionally or passively, uh, bigoted in any way. Like there like there was like the first episode was all about Emmett Till. The second episode, no, first episode was all about Emmett Till. It was a bad choice on their part.
1: I uh, uh, read some of the summaries on that one. Yeah,
0: but but Betty, like, so the, they did some good things in there. Like, they had the, I'm going to try to go over this quickly because obviously the listeners have heard it before, but I think it's important for you, you to know. Um, uh, They had, like, the principal be like, oh, well, we don't need to run a story on that. Like, everyone already knows what it is. It's just going to upset people, which is like a good, like, passive, like, form of racism. Yeah. Um. And even Betty is instantly like, like, no, she's like, like, that's wrong. I'm like, wouldn't it be stronger if Betty was like, well, maybe they're right. And there's, it isn't a problem here in Riverdale. And then you could have her like, learn that that is a problem everywhere. A like it can sympathetic even happen. A
1: character walks us through the process of unpacking this incident. But it,
0: instead she agrees with Tony that they should do something about this. And then she gets like letters like, Tony gives her, like, uh, the notes that um Emmett Till's mother made. And then she comes back being like, now I agree more. I'm like, well, that's not exciting. <laughs> so, I don't know. They they don't like having their people be, have even the semblance of maybe being a bad person.
1: Even though they are now mind-wiped
0: yeah. baby 19, Yeah, yeah, people from the 1950s. Like, they can't even be reasonably... Uh, like this. Not that I want to see racism in a show, but like, they, they for a show that's so much about these cultural issues, to so just ignore that and just not deal with that fact of things, um, it makes me think that whenever I do see someone do a thing that is like a bad character trait, I don't believe the show thinks it is one because they don't want to give their characters bad character traits.
1: Yeah, they just want everybody to be. Good and sweet and simple.
0: Yeah, uh, so we're gonna jump forward a little bit because we're all already about halfway through here. Archie gets his car stolen by Frank. Like he that I think they clear clarified he ha- that is his car. He bought that car, and Frank stole his car.
1: Just stole his car. That's that's a felony, Uncle Frank.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're uh, not your
1: name's not on any official guardian documentation, Uncle Frank. You're just a guy.
0: Uncle Frank.
1: Who are you even related to, Uncle Frank? Uh,
0: technically, Archie's dead dad. <laughs>
1: oh, fine. He so, could be making that up for all I know.
0: <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, Betty uh, is approached by Veronica, and Veronica learns that Betty could not, she could not wear the lot. She's like, I can't do the lot, It's cool. I, I couldn't do it. Uh, I want to bring up in this scene. Because I think this is also a good side of what Riverdale is. Veronica says the word gaslighting. Well, actually, says gaslight. She says because basically, like, I don't want them to think I'm a nymphomaniac. It's like ah, oh, it's a term men use to gaslight women. Now, ga- now they're right. Gaslight, which has come from the movie Gaslight, is a movie from 1944. Nice. They definitely did not use this term until decades later.
1: It had not yet become a verb.
0: Yeah, they. I. I. I actually had to look this up because I'm. Fascinated by the where words come from, I did gaslight a while ago. Um, the er- they did sometimes they would use the term the gaslight treatment to explain it. Like there's a Burns and Allen sketch from like the early 50s where someone says give them the gaslight treatment to be like you know to gaslight them. And I just think what they should have done is they should have either had Veronica say that or imply that Veronica invented the term.
1: That I'd be on board with. Veronica I love if Veronica. Is- Inventing the term gaslighting
0: I would love This would be a perfect time for it as well Because a lot of people don't know where that word comes from So if Veronica's like um, Oh, I'll get to gaslight us And Betty's like, gaslighting And she's like, yeah, you know, like the movie With From the a Ingrid decade Bergman. ago Like, oh, okay And then they just move on I would have loved the the implication that Veronica Invented the gerund verb of then
1: hey, all these Riverdale teens and parents and serial killers and cult leaders that Tabitha has moved into the 1950s for some reason would actually be having an impact on society, oh, which was the goal, right, Tabitha? That was the goal. That wasn't yeah, we, just to get Tony lynched.
0: We have, um, we have a theory that these people have some passive knowledge of their lives in 2027. So, like, there's, like, passive things going through.
1: And that, let me tell you, was what I was (laughs) hoping for as the Brad Rayberry story continues. Yeah. I don't know if we're there yet.
0: Yeah. I don't want to
1: jump too far ahead.
0: Yeah. So, Veronica is um, not going to, uh, like, she's not going to help Betty in my sense. She's now going to make Betty think that she needs a man to be confident, So I'm like, Veronica, you're just, like, spreading your trauma over other people. Uh, But, you know, Betty does like Archie. And so Veronica's a bit sad about that for a while. But she's going to send Betty in to go ask Archie out, which is bad timing.
1: It's the worst timing. He's got the meanest mustache man in three states all the way up his butthole right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's so busy with everything and Betty's like, oh, well, clearly he's lying. It's not like I can look at him and see that he's like a water boy and he's studying and later he's going to be working literally at the restaurant she goes to. (laughs) He's clearly busy.
1: And Frank's like, I got you a job on top of fixing your grades and being the water boy because you wouldn't play basketball. Like pick a lane, Uncle Frank. He what can't is focus the goal? on all those things. What is the end was- goal, Uncle Frank?
0: <laughs> what do you what do you want from him? Uh it almost looks like at the end that what he wanted was Archie to stand up to him. I do not know. He's too he's really happy at the end when Archie like. I mean, I guess he's not even standing up to him, though. He just sort of is like he does what he wants, but does it in a very
1: I'm not doing this for you. And he Uncle Frank's like, I don't care. Still well, you're still doing what I want though. <laughs> If everything's so, uh, coming up Onky Frank, that's all I care about Yeah,
0: so with Betty uh, Shut down, unfortunately Veronica suggests that what they do Is they get some good time boys And head out on the town
1: Yeah they, Let's get
0: us some man whores and head out on the town
1: Was one of them Kevin Casey?
0: I don't think so I, I did not recognize these people
1: I also didn't think so It's just weird that I've gone two episodes and not really seen him
0: Oh um man i when aaron li- watches this she's going to lose her mind because do you know what because they're from Stonewall Prep Stonewall Prep was the school from season 4 where it's where they where it's clearly the writers of the show watched like the order or something like that uh and they just did like private school secret society we don't know where Stonewall Prep is though like Jughead has to go far enough away that his sister can't ever see him, but people like people can visit him. And at one point, uh, Betty is like snowed in, like like they can't go back because there's a snowstorm. So this is, I I can't I can't have more Stonewall Prep in my life because I do not know where it exists.
1: Well, they just sort of pop in and judge Betty for not being enough of a good-time girl to have a (laughs) full-time career dancing on television.
0: Oh, yes, they are upset about that. Uh, I do like that in this scene Veronica's like, ooh, I like private school boys. They're sexually repressed. I'm like, chill, Veronica. Betty knows you're a virgin. Veronica Veronica puts out some real virgin energy, and there's nothing wrong with being a virgin. I want to make that clear. But there is a certain energy, Energy, Like, you can have virgin energy when you're not a virgin. Yeah. Veronica has virgin energy.
1: (laughs) Very much.
0: Yeah. Uh, We do see some of the the boys doing their basketball, and Archie is a water boy. I think Fangs is on... You don't know who Fangs is, but a guy who looked like this character called Fangs, who's one of the, the greasers... Right. ...looked like he was on... Looked like he was there, but we never get, like, a real look at him so maybe it's someone else just because we'd, we'd never see him again
1: uh yeah i didn't pick out any like greaser on the team i was too busy yeah. uh loathing julian blossom and <laughs> praying for his swift and painful demise
0: yeah yeah unfortunately uh not not in this basketball world that was uh, a was in the dilton basketball world yeah but well this brings us into uh Evelyn, who heads into check Tony's locker to, I guess, find lesbian stuff.
1: Find some girl on girl and she, erotica,
0: and she does. I don't know what's weirder: the fact that she went to her locker hoping to find evidence of of being a lesbian, and or the fact that she does find. Oh, she finds a Sapphic book. You don't have to be gay to read a, a Sapphic book.
1: You don't. You can just enjoy the romance. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, but this is uh, uh, this is to cue Tony that Cheryl Cheryl said that you weren't uh, a lesbian, but you have this book, and I th- guess that makes Tony angry.
1: Yeah, she's not on board with being closeted as a black woman in the 1950s.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Um, let's check out this whole Jughead situation though. Because he, com- he has the comics. He's got, he's got his comic. And good for him. His name is on is on the cover, which is yep. funny because I'm pretty sure that
1: wasn't the deal. <laughs> was it his thing that his name was going to be inside the cover? Yeah, a byline inside the book. Not like right on the front of the cover, but we need it there for <laughs> uh, Principal Featherhead to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. The they call need to see is it. coming from inside the school. Why didn't they edit that line out of
0: last episode? It it feels like sometimes they shoot in sequence And then they're like, oh, well, we can't go back We've already done that
1: Yeah, we're, we're here now We gotta stick with this
0: Or maybe it was just to, like, chill Jughead out about the plagiarism Like, oh, he, he claimed I was plagiarizing Hey, you gotta be on the cover, bro Boy, broy. I said bro bro and boy
1: Sometimes this happens you, You're not sure which word you're gonna hit and You try to do both
0: or maybe I was trying to say Brad cuz here comes Brad.
1: And yeah, Brad Rayberry agrees to look at Jughead's short stories. He's like, "You should write a short story about how your dad oh. was accused <laughs> of oh, a crime he didn't have he didn't commit and he had to flee town because Skeet Ulrich gets getting scream money again." <laughs> and he still doesn't have the same availability.
0: Yeah, that was actually, that's actually a bit later. This is the scene where Brad comes in and he's like, "You copied me! You copied my story eight times!" And they very quickly come to an agreement. Like Chuck is like, "Hey, um, why don't you just pay him?" So yeah, not so they're gonna pay him for the stories, and they're gonna pay him to adapt to more of his stories. He gets like two dollars a story, which is twenty five dollars in today's money.
1: Yeah, I it wasn't feel really like
0: that's low. I well, it, it feels like that would be low for Ray Bradbury. But maybe that's the perfect amount for Brad Rayberry. I don't know. Um, now Could Jughead be. is going to Jughead is like I agree like maybe like you know I'll adapt your stories. Well, actually, Brad is one who offers it, and then yes, and then he's also going to guess like read, uh, Jughead's short story because we finally learn why Jughead lives alone in a train car. It he, the, uh, Jughead just says I live alone in a train car with a dog. And nobody wants to figure out why that's happening. Veronica, who starts dating him and then like re, who like makes his train car look nice, never asks, hey, by the way, why do you live in a train car
1: with a dog? No one seems dog? Curious.
0: Um, I, I, until, <laughs> until Brad and we learned that what happens to Jughead's dad was the prime suspect in a robbery a few years ago and he split town in Toledo. Cool. Okay. All right.
1: He explains uh, that, I guess. And he's like, "Write a short story, and I will." Will you read it? Oh man. Yeah. Okay, kid. <laughs> I'll read that. Yeah, he 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 kind of he kind of
0: goofs on him for a second there, but he gets he gets Brad as a beta reader, and that's pretty cool.
1: After all, you're making me eight bits of story to adapt my books <laughs> into your funny pages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's going to he's going to write that Meanwhile, um, will RTS mop the floor. He can't shoot a ball. And then he goes right to his job pumping gas at pops in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, which is going to be great for keeping up on his studies and being I awake can... in time to water boy in the morning. It's being a, a man of the house.
0: <laughs> great. Plan and mopping have, the Uncle floor. Greg. And mopping the floor. He stayed late to
1: mop the floor. That's not what they do. Just waiting for Uncle Frank to swing in and say, hey, I got you a meeting with an army recruitment. Just tell your drill sergeant you got to be at the gas station by 5 o'clock, and you also have water boy duties.
0: (laughs) So a lot of things happen for everyone. Jughead gets to show his comics at the school, which is like, ooh, that's going to be bad once that gets around there. But most importantly, Tony confronts Cheryl cuz Tony's upset that Cheryl told Evelyn that like she wasn't a lesbian. She's like, "You don't get to define me and put me in a box." And I just think this is rich coming from the girl who flirted at Cheryl so hard that Cheryl had a mental breakdown and nearly married Archie and eloped to California. Like you need to chill, Tony.
1: Maybe dial it back just a bit there, Tony. Like
0: it's it it is awesome. That Tony, a gay black woman in the 1950s, is fine with being open and, like, to the world. But the 1950s was a pretty terrible time for queer people.
1: It really pe- feels like she pe- is queuing herself up for a murder act.
0: Yeah, like, people... This was a this was a time where people were like gay men were being committed to asylums for being gay men. Gay and lesbians could not get federal jobs. This is small town this is a small conservative town America. We've seen the mayor, we've seen that they' like their TV station is run by not great people. this this doesn't feel like um, Tony being like, hey, you have to like you know be proud of yourself. This feels like somebody in 2023 looking back on ni- the 1950s and blaming the people who are oppressed for being oppressed this is getting mad at a person in a hurricane that they're not opening their windows and smelling the fresh
1: air yeah i don't think victim blaming victim blaming of uh, marginalized groups is the way to address the inequities of the 1950s because like um, it's not their fault that if they are open,
0: they're going to have their lives ruined.
1: <laughs> yeah, a few bold people had to absolutely set their lives on fire to inch the needle forward. And it seems but you like... But
0: you can't push that on someone
1: else. Being a black lesbian and flirting the mayor's daughter into a coma is a great way to... To have this not become a more aggressive progressive town, but in fact have it slip slide so far back they become a sundown city, and Tony has to leave city limits before dusk. Yeah, like it it, it
0: might have worked better, but except for the fact that like Tony like Tony is admittedly very attracted to Cheryl, and in this in this scene scene she's like, well you know what I'm done with you. I don't. I'm like. And this makes Cheryl eventually admit she's attracted to to to, to Tony. Well, she says, "I'm a, I'm attracted to girls, specifically yeah. you, Tony. I think I'm attracted to you," and then Tony's response is, "Oh, you think or you know? Define this for me. Define to me what you like. Didn't you just get upset that?" Cheryl was te- told another person because Cheryl reasonably expected that maybe you didn't want everyone knowing that you were gay. Later, Tony will tell Cheryl that Kevin and Clay are gay and tell her not to tell people.
1: Yeah, so why is it eat.
0: why are the rules different for you? Why are you allowed to tell her that these two people are a couple, especially because they we're going on one Is still closeted to his family, who is the sheriff.
1: Yeah, that does feel some Barry Allen takes his mask off the second a formerly villainous character doesn't trust him. 100% shit right there.
0: Like, what's it? It's because they knew they wanted to get to this to a certain position, but they got there in a terrible way. It's so infuriating.
1: like Like, the simplest way to make sure Cheryl never tells Kevin's secret is to not tell Cheryl Kevin's secret.
0: Yeah, like she didn't need to know that Kevin and Clay were were gay. Like she didn't need to know that. And like, like, I'm 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 just going to assume I'm going to make the assumption that they're okay with this. I have to or else come on, Tony. You can't just pretend that everyone can do what you do.
1: Yeah, that's not how this is going to work. You don't get to make that choice for other people. And no, it's I mean, not like the- Cheryl was saying, I want to admit I'm attracted to you, but first I need a brief list of our other peers who feel this way.
0: No, Tony like aggressively pushed Cheryl to be out and then got angry at her that she wasn't out. Like, it's... Tony... I want to clarify, is Tony being right about Cheryl and that Cheryl is actually um, gay... Does not excuse the way she got there. Just no. because Cheryl is like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. I am attracted to girls. I'm specifically attracted to you. Um, and they talk about, like, their growing up. Just because they reached that point does not mean Tony did the right thing to get there.
1: No, and it's entirely possible there's still going to be a consequence before oh. we shift to... The year 3000, the Wild West. I don't know. Whatever the back <laughs> oh, half of the season is going to be.
0: Oh, for sure. Like Cheryl's dad is the mayor of town and he's friends with Senator McCarthy. So
1: it feels like you're in some dangerous waters, Tony.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cheryl's in very bad place. Tony is. Especially if like, Cheryl's going to blow up her life for Tony. Like. Hey you guys are like teens in high school i don't like uh
1: let me parallel okay. that to another thing that happens in this episode is yep. that archie gets tired of julian blossom world's worst teenager <laughs> finding every excuse to act all high and mighty over archie for being a for being a grease monkey at the gas station yep. for being the water boy and Finally, they push each other and Archie gets like one good punch on Julian's stupid punchable face before being held back by literally the rest of the basketball team <laughs> going to the oh, principal. They need
0: the entire team to hold him back. He's like strong boy.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, we've seen him with his shirt off four times in this episode. <laughs> He's a strong yeah. boy. But I do not believe for a second that if Julian had thrown the first punch, Julian would have gotten in as much trouble as Archie because his daddy's the mayor and he's probably yep. rich
0: oh for sure yeah no they, they live in their weird mansion uh to- even if it weren't the
1: 1955 <laughs> which it is 1955 yep. the rich son of the mayor is going to get in less trouble than Archie
0: some some poor deviant oh actually so this is a funny thing um i just i guess uh sort of do a, a funny bit um after all of that uh the uh at some point um cheryl says that her aunt was called was like her mom would taunt her out by calling her a sapphic sexual deviant um i looked up deviant at because i'm i was well, good i like words yep. um deviant was a popular term to describe uh what we would now call like just generally queer people. Uh, Fun fact, though, also Invert was used, and Invert sounds like a cool name to call someone. That sounds like a cool skater term. Like, yeah, Jackson Invert 360, pop, shove it.
1: Ugh, I'm too online to think that Invert isn't being used by the worst people in a bad Oh, no, context. no, no. no it, yeah,
0: yeah, no. Back in the 1950s, that was what that is. Like, it was used essentially simultaneously for Deviant. I would say just Invert is cooler.
1: It is cooler. I that's the yeah. one I would want to be known by if I were going to be reclaiming any terminology.
0: Yeah, Invert is definitely one that I want to reclaim. Um, so uh when Jugget brings his story to uh Bradbury, no R Raybury Brad Raybury, Brad Raybury um he <laughs> he just looks around, I guess, and finds a manuscript for the Jupiter journals. And I guess just steals it.
1: Just takes it. I thought I was like, oh, no, Jughead's going to succumb to the plagiarism he was up already I, against. <laughs> this wouldn't be the first time as well. Last season, he also
0: flirted with plagiarism and then immediately dropped out of it. Like, just commit to him doing something bad.
1: Which would have and been make good. it interesting and dramatic. What I, of course, was hoping for is for Barry Ray Barry collection of the various things Brad Rayberry to look at Jughead's short story and say I thought you were going to write about your dad being wrongfully (laughs) accused what's this weird thing about a bunch of teens from 70 years from now being sent back to this time what's that about
0: it would be cool if he wrote a science fiction story about the future I have really bad news for you Dan that is the plot from last season he was writing he was writing stories that appeared in a different dimension.
1: Oof.
0: Yeah, they've done it before, unfortunately.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> unfortunately, you, predict a, you predicted a Riverdale storyline that already happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on me. I have a question. Does that make you feel better or worse? A little of both. Best way, best way of being, uh, best way of watching this show. I just so thought we're gonna... it would
1: be a neat way to imply that Jughead still subliminally has some memories of their past future life and that maybe yep. that needle was being pushed towards everybody getting their memories back in the 50s storyline having some sort of an end game in sight but yeah. no it's just about you have to publish this what would be your most seminal work the jupiter chronicles you have to what? publish it don't you talk to me about the jupiter chronicles you get out of my house jughead so this
0: this brings up the thing that I just want to mention about like the like getting this whole confusing thing about him not being Ray Bradbury but being Brad Bradbury but also like kind of existing in the world is so the Jupiter Chronicles is a reference to the Martian or the Jupiter Journals is mentioned to is a mention to the Martian Chronicles.
1: Obviously. But the thing yeah.
0: is the Martian Chronicles was a fix-up novel. It was a bunch of already published short stories he linked together. So if Jughead was like a super if this if this was the Martian Chronicles and Jughead is a super fan of Brad, he would have already read all these stories. Yeah. And he just sees them linked together. Clearly, it's not the Martian Chronicles. But because they keep doing this linking thing, I, I, someone who gets the references, can't look past them. Like the reference, knowing what the reference is, actively damages watching the show. <laughs>
1: It's, it's, it's It can be very throwing, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'll, we're going to jump ahead because we're, we're kind of running out of time. But, like, a lot of things happen here. Um, Archie gets a, a pep talk from Pops that's so on the nose where he's just like, hey, your dad is cool. Your dad played basketball. He was a true hero.
1: Your dad. Your dad. My dad. Your dad was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, yeah. His, his, thanks, Pops. His dad was the best character for two whole seasons. We get it. We get it.
0: <laughs> uh so Veron so uh, this like moves up and Veronica like checks in with Betty, but like, hey, did the date like work? And she's like, No, nah, no, nah, it didn't work. I guess I'll just have to watch him through the window. And Frank is like, hang on, hold hold up a second. That's an option. You can see him. Okay. Have you ever seen porkies or meatballs? Have you seen a sex comedy? We're gonna do a sex comedy, Betty. That's what we're you gonna do.
1: We're gonna do <laughs> yeah. Rear Window, but sexy like.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Why my Why make a
0: reference to Rear Window? There's so many other things you could. She, I don't know, she likes those kind of movies we learned with Jughead.
1: I mean, with a little bit of research, I'm sure they could have found another <laughs> film noir voyeur movie that's closer sometimes, to what we're talking about.
0: So Sometimes I go to Wikipedia pages, based on what I think they researched, and I always find their references at the top of the line. Like, always. It's always the first two lines of anything. It's like, these are what they're known for, and those are what's referenced in the show. Yeah. That's I mean also they put the i know they also put like the most known things at the top of the article so uh. anyway uh, yeah as you, as dan mentioned archie gets in a fight uh, and finally molly ringwald andrews is a i don't know bursts out of her stupor that she does once per episode which she realizes oh i should actually be like a good parent.
1: I should try to mother my child in an effective way. I should probably yeah. stop letting this mustachioed bully push him to an obvious breaking point.
0: <laughs> I should let I should not let this estranged bad 1950s dad uh torture my son.
1: Just because uh, my husband got killed in I assume Korea.
0: Korea he he died 5 years ago in Korea. Okay. Very yeah. early. Yes um, so, I don't want to laugh at that but He didn't anyway. even make it
1: to the Charles Winchester period
0: Yeah uh, So uh, we get a quick more on the Tony Or that Shell um, showing favoritism to Tony Which makes Evelyn upset So clearly we're like setting up that Evelyn's Going to be a, a problem there Also I like how that literally only Evelyn Is upset So my headcanon is that All these girls are lesbians Except for Evelyn
1: I fully accept it well, at the very which, least, they're a little bit bi. Which would which would be Yeah, it is worth mentioning. Well, Cheryl
0: and Tony are bi, not necessarily lesbian. Um but I do like the But this is the nineteen fifties. They didn't really have that language. They didn't know about that one. There was yeah.
1: very this or that, one or the other, and nobody understood yeah. that maybe everything's a spectrum. Yeah. Except uh, Betty, because she's read the Kingsley- She read the Kinsey book. She knows the Kingsley spectrum, whatever word they replace scale with.
0: I guess. Funny enough, they have not actually mentioned the spectrum uh, at all. They just have mentioned the sex stuff in the book. Feels a little. Uh, yeah. So i um, wrapping these up here. So Archie is going to join the team. He kind of like talks to his uh, mom about basketball. And we learned that he, the reason he's nervous about basketball is because it's something that him and his dad used to do. Um, He's worried he's not going to be good enough for his dad. It's for anyone who's watched the show, you've seen this scene before. Archie is worried he won't he won't be able to make his dad proud.
1: It does feel like the only scene he's been allowed to have for four years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's going to ask Frank to just chill out. <laughs> so cool. Uh, Juggy tries to convince Brad to like publish the novel, and he's like. Super pissed. He's clearly like, yeah, you know, you should be upset that a guy stole your manuscript to read, but he's obviously like different Like there's something going on there.
1: Uh, and in another world I would be saying, ooh, is this gonna be a Jupiter's legacy tie in? But ooh, man. <laughs> uh, I, I sorry, I don't even want to encourage people to know what Jupiter's that, legacy is. That show was. No,
0: that, that, that show got one season. <laughs>
1: It more got, than it, got it deserved
0: th- It got three episodes and they're like No no, more, no more of this uh, they, Jughead also says I, like, You gotta get this novel published I can help you and I'm like no Jughead you are a
1: teenager In the 1950s You can in write t- a comic story based on part of it And it <laughs> might get published Jughead that's what you have Well the thing is in, in 2027
0: He was a published author So maybe that was the thing he could say But he's not that guy anymore
1: like If they're uh, willing to commit to the idea that the subliminal memories of the 2020s are coming through, mm-hmm. I would be able to buy into any of these things. But it all just seems like they forgot they were writing teenagers in the 50s.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, something that teenagers do, though. Tony makes out with Cheryl in the locker room. And once again, I just like it does not feel like Cheryl came out for herself. She came out for Tony. Like. Tony put it in a position where Cheryl had to come out for her. This she literally is- did the walk away. She did the walk away. She said, Well, we're done. Essentially, she did not say this, but like you gotta understand this is the implication. I'm leaving unless if you come out, I or else I'm going to leave. So
1: that very much seemed to be the arrangement she was proposing. Yeah.
0: But what we gotta do a scene that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> Cause Betty Veronica and Betty need to do their sex comedy. So they get caught because they don't think to turn Betty's light off. <laughs> yeah, they're both staring at a window. Staring at a man changing. Um, I just... Okay, so speak... The, the big thing about the show is that the show is uneven. You've experienced it already. It's such an uneven show.
1: It is, yeah. This is...
0: This scene is a sex comedy, and it's legitimately funny. Like they're they're looking. He turns. They duck down, and <laughs> they're like, and Frog is like, "Oh, this is nothing like Rear Window." And Betty's like, "They saw a murder in Rear Window," so it's very funny. But like, in this show, literally last episode was about the woman's role in media, and in this episode, they're doing like, let's spy on a boy changing. And this episode itself has a bunch of, like, sexual politics stuff going on. So
1: it feels weird to do in this show. It does. Yeah, it's odd that it's fitting in with everything else that's happening. But heaven help them if an Archie scene actually seems to fit with the rest of the plot that (laughs) week. Well, in, I guess,
0: a good turn of events, once again, they knew where they wanted to end up. And they just had to figure out a way to get there. Archie saw Betty and Veronica and he was a uh, he was into it
1: you know what this works this works for now, me
0: and <laughs> to be fair the you didn't see this the episode before the last episode that you saw it was like two episodes ago he was convinced by Cheryl to write a poem for betty it's unclear whether how she knew he had any feelings for betty at all but there was hints of it. So this isn't just him pivoting to being like, I, woman attracted, woman like me?
1: Okay, let's
0: do things.
1: I mean, there did seem to be some authentic interest when she brought up the subject earlier in the episode.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So what they have a plan. Their plan is that their bedrooms see each other. So they could just, like, go to the bedrooms at the same time and, like, look at each other.
1: Basically, they have invented sexting.
0: Yep, they invented sexting through a window. I would have loved if they had a tin can. Oh, when Veronica got super excited that their windows could see each other, I thought Veronica was going to be like, well, now you can talk all night. Here's some tin cans for you. Tin can and a string, baby. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so yeah, Archie, uh, he joins the team. He shoots a three-pointer. He's not doing this for Frank, but Frank still gets him on the team. So I guess, like, cool. Uh, Dr. Werther's gets the confiscated comic written by Jughead.
1: Ooh. Just assuring us they have not forgotten about that story from last time.
0: And then in the most obvious setup uh, that they had to work a lot to get here, Betty and Archie look at each other in the windows. And Betty said "Archie, to Archie, I'll be wearing something special. So they take off their clothes. Betty's in lingerie. Archie's just shirtless and about to take his pants off went
1: in and bang, bang. <laughs> uncle frank and notorious serial killer betty's dad
2: hey y'all aaron here singing in another hotel room bathroom getting ready to record about riverdale um i watched this episode with my mom and not long into the episode she looked at me and she said do they know that the dialogue's horrible and i said mom It's impossible to tell with this show. So anyway, this is Riverdale, where everything old is new again, because we're doing every single plot that we have done before. Sweet Archie is too sweet, and so everyone tells him that he is terrible. Um, Molly Ringwald Andrews continues to be a bad mom who can't possibly fathom that Archie might have emotions about things. Archie's storyline is about his dad being dead again. Um, Our Jughead learns that being a writer is a complicated writing. Writers are alcoholics sometimes. That's what Jughead learns. Um, Betty and Veronica do lingerie again. I ask, was the term gaslight a term that people used in the 1950s? The answer is no. Um, we find out that Cheryl has a gay aunt named Carol. So that's cool. And most importantly, Evelyn ever, never, ever, never is back. And I just, uh You know, she's saying a lot of awful things in this episode. She's wiling and giling. But most importantly, she is a grown woman who ran a cult. Has everyone forgotten that she is not a teenager? She was married to Edgar Evernether. She was like a 27-year-old woman pretending to be a teenager in the fiction of Riverdale as opposed to the actors who are all 27-year-olds pretending to be teenagers. I just, I am so excited to be back next week. Because the show is insane, and... Where's Reggie? Where's Reggie? Where's our sweet boy, Reggie? Even mom asked, where is Reggie? Where is Reggie?
0: So, Dan, throughout this episode, did you find one CW moment? A moment. A moment where... I I can see why Aaron always picks the last scene because that's the one most on mind. A scene where Logic wanted to uh, show its lingerie to its uh, boyfriend, and but then uh, drama bursts in with also Frank, a mustachioed bad dad from the 1950s.
1: Ooh, mine's got to be. Uh, I read your. I read your novel that's actually a series of short stories that have already been published. <laughs> and I think it's great. It's the most brilliant thing and it must be published. How dare you go through my secret things? Be gone from you my house! You read my manuscript! You read my manuscript! Take your stupid little crown hat and go!
0: <laughs> yeah. There's something going on there. And it's weird that he, this character is continuing. That this char- He's a reference to another character. Just make up another... Make up another writer. Just give him a name.
1: Just a lot of weird things happening for the sake of future drama. Yeah. Yeah. That future drama not being anything related to time travel. (laughs) Or murdering Uncle Frank. Those are the things that I want. Time travel coming back and murdering Uncle Frank. With an axe would be great. I would accept any amount of blunt or sharp instruments.
0: Man, Uncle Frank was so cool. And then this show forgot who he was when they gave him the the mind control season. They're like, "Oh no, they they forgot it's like they forgot he was mind controlled." <laughs> like, like, "No, I I look back at the last season and he was a bad guy. So we make him bad guy."
1: They just forgot that he was cool before then.
0: Yeah. So my CW moment that I'm going to do um, is that in the the episode the, the moment where Evelyn finds the sapphic romance book in the in Tony's locker, she's like, well, this is weird because Tony said that you weren't a lesbian, yet this book says otherwise. And it's a very weird sentence, and it's hard to put into words, if you have not watched it, why it's a weird sentence. But it sounds like Evelyn is more curious in figuring out if Cheryl was lying or wrong than if, like, Tony is a lesbian. She's, like, confused. Like, but... I don't understand because Cheryl said, "You're not a lesbian, but this
1: book but and it was the book, the characters, the things. <laughs> and you didn't even read the book, Evelyn, you just skimmed the cover notes.
0: I skimmed the back. <laughs> I saw words and it, it was it was just there because they she needed to get out that Cheryl was involved. Because she couldn't just be like, oh, I suspected you were a lesbian and I found this book because that wouldn't do anything. Uh, but Cheryl... But, like, she was trying to figure out if Cheryl... So, but Cheryl had to be there so Tony could hear about Cheryl. So, notably, Tony doesn't... Con- doesn't tell Evelyn that she's gay. She to, to Evelyn, at least, she's like, well, I read a lot of books. So, much again, she just has... She, I don't want to get into that a lot more, but I just made, I just thought of it like so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, man, that was a that was an episode.
1: That was so much of an episode.
0: I'm I'm so sorry. I was hoping we get another one that had a lot of comic stuff in it. Uh and this was
1: I mean, they did lead lot. you to believe that there might be comic stuff in it.
0: So the seduction of the innocent thing happened. Anyway, here's other things.
1: Here's a whole bunch of other things, including the possibility that Uncle Frank and (laughs) Betty's dad agreed. Hal Cooper, that's his name. Let's just meet up in the backyard and have some brewskis and stare at each other's children's (laughs) windows.
0: (laughs) Gotta make sure those kids aren't doing anything bad. Uh, yeah So hey, if you like this episode You should give us a rating A review on wherever you're listening us to uh, to us at Ugh, oh, sentences uh, Or you should tell your friends Actually, and you should tell your friends You should do both of those things Do both uh,
1: They take do them very both. little time
0: Yes, we're at Podcast MOA On pretty much every social platform you can find us on And Dan, what about you?
1: Well, uh If you want to hear me And Aaron, who's normally here, and our co host Claire work our way through the best pictures and box office champions of film history. Something I decided to make my personality during quarantine. (laughs) I suggest you head over and check out Academy versus Audience. That's uh, uh, on all the podcast places, plus Oscar at Oscar versus Audience on Twitter. Because uh, film critics today would have you believe that An American in Paris is a better movie than either Cimarron or Going My Way. And I am not having it! <laughs> and also, around the time this episode is out and you're listening to it, uh, Recovered, my other podcast we talk all things Remade and rebooted. Just finished an epic saga through every Batman movie, every Superman movie, the movie with both of them. And finally... Picking apart the strengths and weaknesses of both versions of Justice League and why neither oh, of them are the worst Justice League movie. You don't know <laughs> what the 90s tried to put us through.
0: Yeah, and uh, you can check out my books. They're all available at kevinweirbooks.com, And we will see you. Well, I will see you, and Aaron should be back by then, unless was, I guess something terrible happens uh, next week. How will Hal punish Betty? Will Evelyn discover Tony and Cheryl's relationship?
1: Is examining 1950s sexuality via a group of time-displaced general Zers muddying the waters of your message a little?
0: You gotta work on shorter questions, Dan. Uh, for answers all of them, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs.
1: A teen drama fan-cast?